Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead. Two minutes before half-time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! I'm back once again as your host this week. Um, I'm joined by Tom as always. How's it going, Tom? Very well. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I mean, after the result, not so fantastic, but, you know, we can't be too disgruntled by that. Um, And yourself, Jonathan, how are you going? I'm pretty good. I guess this is probably the most positive we'd be after a defeat, considering it was against PSG. Um, Obviously, if you been living under a rock and you're a fan of French football, Lyon were beaten 1-0 by Paris Saint-Germain on Sunday night. Um, this weekend's been a whole mess really with everything going on in the UK. Um, today is Tuesday where we're recording, I guess after a couple of days to reflect on the fixture, Tom, are you any less negative or positive about, you know, a well as a club after, you know, a pretty competitive performance against PSG who blitz teams like uh, Montpellier and Lille earlier in the season. To be fair, as soon as they scored uh, the first goal, I mean, this is a classic case of of streaming versus having Twitter on. Is I had the goal spoiled before he actually came onto the TV, so I was like, oh, damn it, we're going to concede nine or ten. And, you know, conceding within the first five minutes against PSG could say a lot of things. A few years ago, it might have been like, oh, we'll take the foot off the gas and score maybe a second one and that'll be it but recently it just felt like oh you concede early against PSG you're going to concede like 10 so I nearly went to bed at that point I was like five minutes in I was like oh this could be terrible I've already had a bad day just uh, no just bad so I think in the looks of things I was like okay well there's a sort of it's not quite like Bayern, but it felt a bit like that semi-final against Bayern, where there are real chances, there's real opportunities, although Bayern was real, real ones, like we hit the post and so on. PSG, I can't really, we'll get into that, but I can't really think of that many big chances we had. But the overall experience was like, oh, this is a far better team, they have a far better squad, but we could have got there. We could have got the draw against PSG easily. So... It's slightly frustrating. I mean, there was the same frustration against Monaco, uh, although defensively it was really shocking back then. 
but there's lots of positives to take out of it. Uh, and um, so taking a step back, I think there's there's positives, there's negatives. If you spend too much time on Twitter, you just understand that if you're relatively optimistic and somewhat positive about the results, then you basically accept that Leon is the second half of the table uh, team, which I kind of disagree. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about how Leon has dropped down from its standards and accepting a defeat like this is not normal for our kind of club. I think it's being a bit harsh and we should take the positives and try and get out what we can from these kind of results and I'm sure we'll get into the depth of what was positive and what was negative in this episode. I'd agree with your statement on, you know, taking positives from the result. I can kind of understand it's similar to the viewpoint you've been putting across, Jonathan, the last few episodes that our expectations probably should alter for where the club is. I mean, you know, from a performance perspective against any other team in the league, that would have been a resounding victory. I would have amassed a guess, maybe not Monaco, Lille, um, Lens, but you would have expected to win in that regard if you'd put in a performance like that. Uh, but the, I think that's quite interesting what you've just put across there, Tom, in terms of your point of view, Jonathan. Is being happy with the performance rather than result here a bad thing? No, it's not always a bad thing. It's just a problem when it's a third loss in a row. It makes it more difficult, you know, just as a one game. Okay, we lost against PSG. You know, we played well. It was an entertaining game. I had a good time watching it. Um, and that's really the point of the sport, which is to enjoy it. It's just... Because it's the third loss in a row, and you can't forget the loss against Lorient and the loss against Monaco, so you feel like, oh, we can't celebrate a third loss because it makes it such some more massive. Um, and talking about you know the ambitions of the club and stuff, it's more like I still think we should be winning those games, and I still think the club needs to be ambitious. I just think the the communications. Olas is a big master communicator, and what he's telling us is not really what is going on. And what is going on is the team is trying to, the, the club is just trying to survive financially. All they're trying to do is pay back debt and 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 build this uh, stadium and just try to be sound economically for the next, I don't know how many years. And no one really knows because they keep extending the debt, but it could be five years of more just not really spending. And so they say messages like we want to be top three, we want to be podium, we want to win games, we want to win titles. But really... They're not trying to do that. That's not, that's just what they're telling the supporters. They're really just trying to survive this period. Whenever they're actually, you know, the stadium is fully paid off, that's when Lyon will actually have another chance with the stadium that brings in money. So right now, we're in this limbo where we're told one thing, yeah, we're going to win titles, but we're really not actually trying to win titles. We're just trying to survive, hopefully play Europe, to just financially, we need to play Europe, not really because we think we can compete, which we want to, just for finances. So... I'm okay. I'm not okay with it. I'm unhappy with it, but that's where the reality is. Just we're right now. We're like we're acting like we're a club that's kind of like Lens. I would compare it to Lens right now. We're trying to be in the top five. That's kind of the goal. Um, although we should not be like that. We should be, of course, like Monaco. But we're actually like Lens right now in terms of just seeking survival and and good play and trying to be top five. Yeah, that's the sad thing, as you say. I don't think that's just us as a football club. I think that's football in general in terms of investment in infrastructure. It's not just the stadium that's paying off. It's everything going around the stadium as well. I mean, the facilities are pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. The choices of restaurants within 
uh, half a mile radius while I was in Lyon was quite nice. But in terms of, um, you know, as a football club, when you experience an atmosphere like we had last night with the TFOs at both sides of, uh, not last night, Sunday night, apologies, with the TFOs at both sides of the ground, the atmosphere before the game, that deserves more than just what a fifth place finish, which where we are now currently, what I think we're six points off the podium, um, is probably what we're fighting for with 31 games left of the season. Obviously, things can change, but from where we are, it's going to be difficult to claw points back when we've just lost to three podium challenges as well. Uh, But in terms of the positives, Tom, from your perspective, obviously in an attacking area, the chances are what you'll speak about, but I think defensively we coped well with the threats that PSG posed on the counter. I think that's actually the main positive to get out. As I said earlier, I can't really, with whether it's just after the game or like tonight, trying to think about the chances we actually had. Um, there's not huge ones. Like there's not there's there's menacing times and there's opportunities as a whole. But I can't really think of any of John Rumors saves um, and not that many shots actually on target. So if there are positives to take out of that game, it's definitely the defensive side. Like the fact that we came into the game with a 4-4-2, which I thought was interesting. You know, Bosch had to try something else. Uh, I don't think the Dembele, like I said, relationship worked, but I'll be in the negative section. Um but you're seeing a flat midfield, um, which somewhat dominated um, Verratti and, and Fabian Ruiz, and then further down the line, Vettina somewhat took back control. But we didn't really see Ruiz that much. And then on the counter, you're trying to think of the times that everyone was sort of, including us, the times that Mbappe was expected to go in behind or just outpace everyone because Lukeba might be quick, but he's not as quick as uh, Mbappe. And even Gusto was somewhat out of place, wouldn't have caught up with Mbappe. So the fact that Mendes was really getting him every single time, um, it was really impressive. And, you know, I, I regularly say that he's he's a pretty good player, um, but just not often not played in the right position. That you know, Sunday night was a proof that he can somewhat play in that position and can defend well. Uh, it's frustrating the the mistakes he makes in the previous games, but when he plays at this level, I mean, sure, I, I get, I, I can see why the club didn't want to recruit better. And you know, you got to underline Lopez's performance. I mean, obviously, he's now an intergalactic star because of you know that save on the viewed as like a FIFA type video, which is miraculous the fact that Canal Plus have managed to recreate the sort of action that looks like a um, a video game is, is really impressive and the fact that everyone talks about the camera angle rather than the actual save which you know some people have compared to Gordon Banks which is a bit far but it's it's an incredible save so he kept us in the game Mendes kept us in the game and I think defensively it was a very good unit performance there's Things to pick out, you know, Kakre's first half and so on, sure. But defensively, in the second half, when we were expected to concede five or six at the end of the game and be completely out of it, 
then that's when we stepped up and showed that we can defend well, which makes it even more frustrating that we couldn't actually score at the other end because we stayed in the game. But you know, we can have everything, I guess. I think you make a good point about the fact Thiago Mendes was playing to a higher per. I guess, output of performance in this game. I think we've spoken in the last couple of podcasts about his aggressive nature defensively. It can be quite erratic. It can be quite fast. It's very, um, the word I would say, it's hot-headed. He's one-trap mind. As soon as he's thinking he's going to do something, he's done something. And that can get him caught out. But I think in a game where PSG were very much reliant, which they have been under Galte, in terms of a direct approach, getting messy in that, half space, pocket in between midfield and defence, whatever you want to call it. Um, he was good at being able to read that, stopping counter-attacks, coming out to prevent Mbappe, Neymar, whoever it would be running in behind. Um, do you think that's something that you know we would want to see from him in midfield? For me, it did look like a midfielder playing at centre-back because he was very quick out to block things, lots of tackles, interceptions. It didn't feel like somebody was very casual and laid back in defence. Um, do you think that's a continuation of what we've seen in the last couple of performances, Jonathan? Or do you think he's really gone away in the last week or so after probably a, a bollocking from Bosch and improved on his game and we saw the um, the after effects of that against Paris? No, I mean, and Thiago Mendes is a good player in terms of he was paid a lot of money at Lille before coming to Lyon. He was a very, very good Lyon player and he obviously has skill. Um, it helps a lot when he plays against players or defend or no, he's defending against players who don't have a heading game and don't have a physicality. That's where he's weak at. And Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe have zero headers. I don't think there's even one ball for a header in the entire game. So it's not where you know where he's weak at are big players like Mofia, stuff like that, or Mbolo, where he he can't compete with the challenges or he tries to stop and he gets beat in the back. That's where he's poor at. So. No, he, he's got his role. He can defend, and he can defend against certain players. But he's the problem we've had as, as a you know a lot of supporters is he's not reliable for thirty eight matches. He's he's someone you can use. What he's exactly um, an, he's an option. He's an option, and so he's not a complete starting a center back that can defend against any player like you know like the top defender in the league. So he had a good match, excellent match. Um, but, you know, the reason he had an excellent match was because we conceded so many opportunities and we weren't, we were letting them in many times to the, into the final third. So, um, good match for him. I, I can tell that when he plays against big teams, like he did against Porto last season, he can play well. He's just, it really depends who he's defending on. And Bush should know this by now that if you're playing against a big guy, you know, you shouldn't put, you should put Diamande, who's a big guy. I just, it seems pretty simple to me, but. We'll see if Bosch understands that moving forward, if he has much time moving forward. And uh, against Lance is the big match. Depends who they're playing, but uh, he'll have to be careful who to put in defense against that team. For sure. I think whether he has a change of mind or you know he's going to stick to his guns and not listen to outside influences in terms of defense, um, that'll be a big talking point against Lance. But in terms of the rest of the team, the defensive performance, um, Tom, Particularly for me, I was impressed that Lacazette at times was almost playing like a third centre-back, particularly in the first half. There was a time where he just finds himself in the box and makes tackles and interceptions. Um, I know 
he misses the big chance for me, which is a ball that comes in from Tagliafico. Header, he should score, in my opinion. But what did you reckon to Lacazette's all-round performance and in terms of being a leader and a captain in such a big game? Well, I mean, so obviously people are going to remember that dribble against Ramos, and I think that's it's fair. I mean, it's it's a great dribble, and he nearly scored there as well. Um, but offensively, it wasn't it wasn't huge. Let's be honest. I mean, the attacking output wasn't wasn't like mind blowing. Neither was the Belles, and the connection, as I said earlier, didn't work very well. But as a leader, you know, as much as we now officially know that he has broken uh, vocal cords and he's going to get the operation somewhat sometime this week or next week um i imagine it's either his presence and his stature that makes him a leader there or he's actually keeps on pushing his vocal cords even further and making himself a leader because everyone was following him you know like that defensive output was amazing uh it was always surprising to see him pop up there it's sort of like on the other end of the pitch, you think to people in Zaggy and you're like, oh, how the hell did he get there? And how did he find that pocket of space? Lacazette was always finding that pocket of space where he wasn't expected to be, but was there at the right time, at the right place. So hats off to him for producing more defensive work than offensive work. Uh, reminds me of a certain Edison Cavani in that sense. Although I don't remember Cavani doing that many last-ditch tackles in the box. It was more of a heading and press, uh, pressing output. But hats off to Lacazette, I think, all round, yes, he misses that big opportunity. Yes, he should have been creating more chances and being more of an attacking threat. But all round, I mean, there's not much you can say as a leader, as a collective player. Lacazette, if he was a CDM, for example, I mean, that'd be a 8 out of 10 performance. Um, Jonathan might be able to tell us how what grade he got in, in L'Equipe uh, yesterday, but I thought I think it was quite high, but it could have been higher if he was considered as another position because he wasn't doing an attacking output. But overall, I was quite impressed by him. I think it was six. I could be wrong. Um, it could have been a five, but like uh, you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it was six, I think. Six, yeah. I know. See, like, if he was a defensive midfielder, I mean, obviously he's not, but that'd be a decent performance for him as a as a CDM. But he's obviously not in that position. And of course, as an attacker, he's not considered to be doing that defensive role. So it, it's a shame of 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 that. But you know, you got to salute the performance at least. I mean, I I understand you said him. I think in games like these, though, you need. You can't just have four players defending. You need 10, if not 11 at times, which happened with Lopez as sick. He got the man of the match um, in Lekeep. He got a nine rating, which, you know, we'll speak about Lekeep ratings on this podcast every week. It's rare a goalkeeper will get a rating of nine and be on the losing side, which kind of shows the impact he had defensively as well. I think the main moment, as you say, is the free kick that's gone viral for recreating a FIFA 23 scene. It almost looks real in a sense of a video game angle. Um, I'm surprised that if FIFA won't be using it for their advertising for the new game, which comes out in a couple of weeks. But it was an impressive performance defensively. I guess in terms of flipping the coin on its head and looking from an attacking perspective, is it a case of, you know, the amount of chances we miss in these games, we 
keep on repeating ourselves? Is there a way to eradicate this conversation that we feel like we've had three or four times in the past couple of years against PSG, Jonathan? Um, I don't know. It, PSG matches are special and, and one of a kind because it's really the only opponent that Lyon plays all season that is continuously trying to score goals. And so they leave themselves open to counters and and kind of chances. Against most league on teams, Lyon has heavy possession, 60 plus percent, and we control the game. And our problem is getting chances in the final third. So it's completely different against against PSG. We get real opportunities. We get real uh, counters that are dangerous. And, and um, also PSG to note is, is just playing so many matches right now. And they're, they're talking about defending with 11 players. They're defending with like seven players. I mean, there are really not many people defending that team. So I don't think you can really look at this match and say, learn anything about anything for the future. Um, unless it was an incredibly amazing defensive effort and we conceded no chances. If Leon conceded no chances, you'd be like, wow, really good performance. But we conceded a ton of chances. They they, they were just not good at the end either. Lopez had some really nice saves. Like the free kick is extraordinary. He had a few important saves that are really nice. But... Neymar could have scored a few if he just placed a little better, and you know it, it could have been a three-zero also. So I don't want to get too excited. As a fan, I really enjoyed the match because the whole you know because it was only one goal lead. You really thought we could stay in it, stay in it, but I, I don't think there's much to learn from this. The, the besides the fact that uh, about the four-four-two, that's the only thing to learn about it is whether we like that system or not, um, and, and you know see that it can in theory work. For sure, I just it frustrates me that we keep on having the same conversations week on week. It's not intentional from our part. It's just for outsiders who may be listening to this podcast for the first time. This is the um, this is the trials and tribulations of being an OL fan. Um, I guess in terms of what this means going forward, obviously we spoke on the last podcast about Bosch being under pressure. Um, Olas again was very uh, public in praise for the performance on social media, not wanting to criticize the team after, you know, ambience, whatever you want to call it, before the game, and then uh, a competitive match. But this is three defeats in a row now, which you've mentioned. Does this add an increased pressure on Bosch moving forward? Is the is the line wearing thin, Tom? I mean, it's. I think we discussed this last week as well. It's in it's a bit like Olas. It's the recognition or the lack of recognition that it's a poor result or a poor performance. We're not saying that the PSG performance was as poor as let's say Lorient or or even Reims or to an extent Monaco. It's just the the lack of recognition that there is a problem in certain positions that we are not improving in certain aspects. Um that you know, it's it's just it's hiding itself behind certain things that the club has done for so long. You know, you, we stated this example uh, last week: the the whole Olas trying to explain how Monaco was a good performance by using possession stats sent to him by a singer on WhatsApp. It's just it's a laughing stock of a club at times and it, it's just you can't write this i mean there's, there's people that do 
banter era threads on Twitter that do them amazingly, and there's a great one from OL. I don't know how recent it is now, but these are the type of things where you just pick them out and go, how did you come up to this? So Bosch does this regularly and and just doesn't recognize it as an issue. Uh, we said it when he arrived that he was quite open and vocal about certain issues, and I think that's completely disappeared today. Um, that he's, I don't know if he's trying to save his own skin um, by not admitting that there's an issue. Um, that might be helping himself with journalists and people that don't look at games and just say, oh, you only lost 1-0 to Paris, then it's completely fine. Oh, what did the manager say after the game? We're completely fine. Oh, okay. Then, then it's it's a good result for a while. Um, people that actually do watch the games go, well, there's this, there's this, there's these issues, there's other things that are not being worked on and are not improving. So he's not he's helping himself sort of publicly, but internally, I I don't know what the situation is because he seems to be going against Ponzo recently, uh, which is not going to help his position because we all know that. Ponzo is like Darth Vader. You don't touch him, otherwise you get expelled from the the club. Um, and it's it's just I don't think it's very healthy inside the club. Outside the club, everyone's sort of ganging up on him. And as we discussed this discussed this recently many times, you know the usage of young players, um, certain tactics, the lacks of of changes and substitutions, all work against his favor. So. I don't think I think a win against PSG or even a good draw with an amazing performance would have definitely helped him forwards. Um, and fundamentally, the the performance isn't terrible. I don't think a defeat against PSG, unless it was seven or eight nil, is going to hamper his position. I think if there was a decision to be made during the international break to kick him out, it was made before the PSG game. I don't think it was made in consequence of that kind of game, because we all know how special it is and how unlikely it is to win that game. So I don't think it makes the situation worse. The fact that it's three defeats on the road doesn't help, but if it was against anyone else in PSG, I think it would have made worse. But in this case, that's the way it is. Yeah, the PSG game's a bit of an anomaly in a season, really. Obviously, if we'd have lost 7-0, we'd have all been asking for his head, I think. Uh, but, you know, when you put in a... The word I keep on using is competitive. We never looked out of the game. It was almost like a basketball game, end-to-end chances for both teams. I think we came out on the unlucky side again, as we seem to have done against PSG in recent years. I'm thinking back to the 2-1 game where Gusto's adjudged for a penalty, which wasn't a penalty in my eyes, um, all that situation. But again, that's another conversation. Um, I guess... From the rest of the performance, Jonathan, is there anyone else who stood out for the wrong or the right reasons that we've not mentioned beyond Lopez, Mendes and Lacazette? In a good way or in a bad way? Uh, <laughs> in, a, in a good way, um, you know, we said Lopez, Chego Mendes. Um, Tagdo Fico was also good, did his job. He's been a very good uh, revelation in terms of doesn't make many mistakes at all. Um, you know, but it's always involved... It seems like he cares. Seems like he tries really hard against no matter the opponent. Seems like he's more professional in that aspect that he knows, you know, the level of intent you need in every single match and every minute of the game. So I really do like that about him. So he's a good, uh, huge improvement at left back, I think, over last season. Um, but 
and negative, if we're talking negative, you know, I've got to go my boy Tokoy Kambi again, you know, uh, a three in L'Equipe. Um, selfish choices as usual. And uh, he's got this immunity idol around him. And I don't know when he's ever going to get uh, Ben just to start the game. He has pretty much been benched like three times in two years out of, you know, 50 plus matches. And so at some point he should just start on the bench to see, you know, maybe be more, be less selfish in the future. But it won't happen, and um, you know we'll see. We'll see what really goes on with him. Um, Sharky came in well, you know. I love Sharky, and he shows a different kind of play. And any good club, any good club in Europe, you know, on the wings, they're willing to change them. You know, you, not every game you play the same wing players. You know, Man City does all the time. You know, I'm not comparing Lola to Man City, but Man City plays Grealish and then Foden and different things. And, and you can try different options, even though you have, you can really think your player is good. But the fact that it's the same player every match, Tite and Tokokombi have started every match this season. At some point, you have to make changes. And so I hope that this international break is a time for Bosch to watch some tape and determine that both Tite and Tokokombi are good players but they both do the same thing on opposite wings. It's always the same play. They both come in on their foot to try to shoot, and the uh, defenders, the, the wing backs, are supposed to go on the outside and, and overlap. That's pretty much the whole play every time. It's overlap inside, overlap inside. They never try to you know go by and cross the ball. It's just it's so predictable, and uh, I'd like to see some changes there. So. Togo Kambi, I put it on on, on Twitter. He had a uh, if you looked at his grades all season. It's pretty ridiculous. He had two really good games, the ones that you were at, Liam. But the rest of the season, it's been you know, two, three, three, two, three. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's this guy just uh, – and I, don't, I think he's a good player. and I, I like him on the team. You know, And he shares the same birthday as me, so that's very good. But I would like it if he could um, come in on the bench once in a while. So that's really all I'm asking for. And I'm not blaming him for the loss. It's just he always makes poor choices and – he is kind of selfish in his finishing. I think that shows that Toko's an avid listener of this podcast and thought in my presence he's going to improve his performances. Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I don't like the scapegoatism that's sometimes associated with him, but I agree in terms of the performance against PSG, he wasn't really in and out. And I think your point is good in terms of the fact it's not just a stint at Toko. Tete's the same. We need more rotation in the attacking areas, obviously. Lacazette's almost undroppable in terms of his presence, etc. But again, from the wide areas, we've got Fev, Shirky, uh, Barcola, uh, I don't even know if he's still the club or that alone, but Bossi were impressed in pre-season 12 months ago. Um, young players that are hungry, willing to prove themselves. I suppose Jeff can play in the wide area as well. Awar is a worst-case scenario, but he's not even getting included in the squad. Um, it's it's a frustration point of view from that side of things. Um, is there anyone from your perspective, Tom, before we move on, that you want to give a shout-out for a positive performance? Uh, Le Penon's entrance. I think, um, I think it's definitely the... The one element to take out, I mean, as much as Tolisso had some really good balls, I think we could have done a lot better. I mean, Tet- I'm thinking the Tete's header, notably, next to the, the, the far post was maybe a chance to, where we could have done better. Um, I will note that apart from Tino, any Leon player that's done an interview in Le Keep on the day of a big game 
has done miserably afterwards. Uh, Tino obviously said he had a dream and scored two goals in a derby. So I don't know. But had to, I mean, for anyone that's not read the interview, Tete seemed like a really nice guy. Did very well during the the start of the Ukraine crisis with helping out the local community. Um, although he did add he loves sleeping in minus 18 degrees. So I don't know what that says about him. But um, before we slay into him, you know, hats off to, to him for being a great human being who wants to stay at the club. He's reiterated that and that's really positive. Um, but yeah, back to Le Penon, I think he, he came on. You know, it's not an easy game, PSG. It's his... Uh, I guess apart from Monaco, this is probably the biggest game he's played in his career. Um, and every time seems like he steps up, he's he's a bit volatile. There's one or two fouls where it's like, ah, you could see that he's a bit inexperienced and so on. But the switch of play, the the combative, combativity, I guess, uh, you know, the, the energy that he's putting into the game, uh, trying to take Verratti out, um of the of the you know the passing routines and so on, uh, that that's all really good. And again, we don't want Le Penal to be a starter that, uh, as much as if he's a positive and and really good outlet and a really good talent. Uh, we're we're the first to say that young players should be starting if they're worth starting. Um, but we don't want to be in a position where this inexperience is you know being put in the forefront. So. If he keeps on playing like this, he's going to be playing very, very, very regularly, especially with Tully. So I, I don't know if anyone has the the info on how long he's possibly going to be out. I, I saw a notification that it's a positive, but um, seems like we're going to have Lupin off a, a few more times in the next few weeks, um, unless Tully is back after an international break. I don't know, but ultimately, it's a good performance to come on in such a big game, especially when you don't have the rhythm of the game yet um not that it was that high of an intensity but uh you got to underline the, the great performance there yeah on to lee so i'm not sure of a time frame but like yourself i've read that it's positive from that i doubt it's um a long-term layoff but i possibly disagree i think the penalty showed that he possibly deserves to start and i'm biased in terms of young players i want any young player to be playing regularly, but I guess what you say in terms of an experience, it causes problems. But no, but I not think... that so much. But I think he's 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 proven yes that he can start and he's a great player. I have no doubt about it. I think it's just another example that if we bring in players like Toledo and so on, and we've got solid players with good league experience, the fact that it's the guy with the least experience that is showing that well. On show, I just I don't know if it says a lot about the recruitment or the lack of energy that the other players are putting on the field. But all credit to him, of course. As yeah, as you say, it could also say a lot about the player. I think he wasn't without offers in the summer from other big clubs in France. I don't know whether the sources are good, but I know Foot Mercato were pointing that uh, Monaco and Marseille were also interested in him. So. You know, he came to us and so far so good. I think he's shown that whether he stays with us for 10 years or leaves for big money in the future, he's been a good signing thus far. Um, but away from that, obviously, the the result's not the most positive. We've got Lance coming up 
Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit after this section. But I think the main thing that's stirring around Leon at the moment is the um, incompletion of the impending takeover of um, John Texter. Um, obviously, he was at the game on Sunday. There's pictures of him with fans, pictures of him with the stand in the stands with Olas. I mean, if you read multiple sources, Licky, Roma Molina, uh, Foot Mercato as well, are all saying that the deal's not complete. There's frustration from his end that it can't be done. He's had bank loans rejected or something to do with financing. You guys may know better from reading French. My reading of French is pretty poor. Um, but in terms of the current situation, are you worried that this deal could collapse, Jonathan, especially when you know we were hearing there was a timeline put on for the 30th of September for the deal to be complete? Yeah, I'm extremely concerned. I mean, to recap, basically what happened is the banks are asking for... Um, Texter to reduce the debt to complete the sale. And he lost his partner, Bill Foley, I think, uh, from the sale. Or one of the, one of the two partners, I forget which one. Um, but he lost one of the partners in his three-group Eagle group. Um, and so he lost some funding, and he needs to add more funding to get um, uh, to lower the debt. And he's having trouble. The deadline's in 10 days. And I think people are starting to get nervous. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the money, so he can't just front it himself. And uh, it, it's really concerning now at this point because I just think of the worst case scenario. If, if it doesn't go through, if he says, sorry, I can't get it, well, it's going to collapse. I mean, just the negative energy is going to be super strong. And it's just going to really affect the the sports side of the team, I think. And and that's what concerns me. Um, I don't know what the plan is. We don't get much information. It's financial stuff. Uh, so I'd like to hope for the positive. I hope he can find uh, someone to bid on it. But um, it's not looking good so far. And I know Molina is more negative and Hugo Gimiandi keep is more positive. But uh, I think Texter has is he's gone to the game with his family. That's a, that's a positive sign because he went to go see the group on my team. I have to say, by the way, the atmosphere at the game was awesome, really awesome. I wish we could have that more often. I mean, I've you know I've talked about to you guys about this how I I do think the stadium may be too big for Lyon or some for some reason we just can't fill up that stadium. It looks really poor on TV oftentimes, um, but when there's big games like this, it's such an awesome atmosphere that I'm I really think is one of the best in Europe. So I really like that. Um, and Texter saw that. So if he finds a way to convince people to spend on that, that'd be really great. But yes, I'm super worried because I think if it doesn't go through, this is going to collapse. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the, I really don't know what's going to happen. So um, let's hope that it goes through just so um, we can move on this season and then focus on winning games. Yeah, obviously we want all this to be completely done. New owners, obviously there were renewed optimism when it was announced that he was going to come in and take up the funding that had been given away from, I think it was Pathé and a group of Chinese investors. I could be wrong in terms of the name. The name escapes me. Uh, but obviously from the future perspective, Tom, uh, what sort of impact do you think this could have on you know the future of the football club? Obviously there's a lack of shares which aren't currently purchased by anyone after the 
exit of those two parties which I've just mentioned, future transfer windows, a need to still invest the squad which wasn't addressed in the summer, um, you know, committed contracts, things like that. I'm not saying we'll be in dire straits, but you know, this should surely have a negative impact on things moving forward if the deal wasn't to be complete. Well, I mean, I'm not the best person to ask in terms of the, the actual financials here. I mean, if, if we refer ourselves within the football world community, Clément Boyard does this very regularly on his own Twitter and is very open about the whole financial aspects. I don't think we're in a situation where we're, as you said, dire straits like Bordeaux were last year with, with uh, Lopez and so on. I don't think the situation is that bad. But we need someone to come back in and get those shares. Otherwise, there could be a real crash. And then it would definitely sort of sign off uh, Leon as a mid table club because financially we couldn't compete. And seeing as we're you know, not doing like what Brentford or those or Brighton and so on, those clubs that are mid table in terms of budget, but are doing are exceeding expectations with you know, really good investment and with, with, you know, with small money, but very good investment with great scouting and so on. Leon are not that. And I don't see us going, oh, we have less money now. So let's try and find another direction to get into. I think, oh, well, alas, would might just go, eh, well, it's the situation. That's the way it is. So firstly, we hope obviously that Texter comes in and, and brings in the money and of course, just to make everything sort of smoother. And, and then, yes, we can hope for money coming in in the near future. But obviously, if if he doesn't arrive, then we need to find a new investor. And if we don't find one, then yes, the transfers could be really bad and we could lose a good part of the team even in January to try and make up financially. Again, I don't know how bad the situation is. Um I also don't know exactly what kind of player could be leaving in January that didn't leave this summer. I'm thinking obviously Awar and so on, but the big salaries have just arrived. You know, you're not going to kick out Lacazette and Tolisso straight away. Um, so where does that leave you? Where does that leave the club? That's it's a bit worrying. Um, so we we hope obviously Texter comes in, and obviously we we know that it doesn't listen to the podcast. But if you do, John, I mean. <laughs> Let's try and find some money to get in there, you know, uh, and and try and get your friend Bill to come back into the deal because uh, you know OL is a far better place than Chelsea. Yeah, obviously we all hope the deal's completed. I think from my perspective, it also worries me from a presidential point of view and the you know current structures we've got. I don't think a club, I don't the word that comes to mind is turmoil. I don't think it'd be turmoil if they don't come in. I, I'm not aware of the finances as like you are, Tom, but I don't think they're um, ca- catastrophically bad where the club would be in serious danger if this money didn't come in. But um, I wouldn't trust all our sponsor, the structures that be above um, Bosch and Sheru to manage the club in a difficult time in terms of, you know, we'd have to be... Um, a bit more prudent financially in terms of the way the purse strings work. You know, the investment around the club in terms of, I keep coming on to the infrastructure, I'm sure that brings in uh, more money commercially, but there'll be lots of debt to do with that. So I think they're building a basketball stadium at the moment. 
uh, and uh, a tennis academy. I don't know if it's Joe Wilfred Songer or whoever. I'm pretty certain there's something to do with tennis going up as well. Um, so from that side of things, you're looking at these future investments. Are they necessary? Are they going to be complete if this deal doesn't go through? Um, again, it just it leaves lots of questions about how things move forward. But obviously, I echo what you two have said in terms of we hope this happens. John, if you are listening, sort sort your finances out. Uh, no, but in serious note, hopefully things do progress forward. Um, in terms of, I guess the rest of the next couple of weeks is the international break. So the next game is Lens on the. I think is it the. I'm not sure what day is. Is it the 9th of October or something like that? Um, I could be wrong. I'm not 100% sure on the dates. Second of October. A week out. Um, but in terms of that game, obviously Lens are flying high. Fonkes is, in my eyes, if we could have anybody to replace Bosch, he would be the coach I'd be going for at this moment in time. Um, what do you think about the threats that Lawrence could pose, Jonathan? And I guess in terms of while we're on the topic, how do you expect the match to go? Save your predictions for the end of the show. Yeah, Lawrence is is really great team. They're at home. Um, atmosphere is amazing. One of the top atmospheres in France. And... Uh, it's going to be a really hard match and the pressure is going to be at its max because if, if Bosch does not win this, I think it's the end. I think this is the, the deal or no deal. It's a get to direct rival, a person that on paper, on a communications wise, we're better than we're supposed to be ahead of Lens. So this is a match we're supposed to win. Um, but you know, on the field, we're not better than them. And that's just a fact. Anyone who's watched Ligue 1 this year will say Lens is better than Lyon. It's, if you took off the jersey and switched them, you would be sure Lens is better. So, um, very tough match, very must-win match, and uh, just have to, you know, trust that we have players that that are going to work hard the next two weeks because they're pissed off that they lost three games in a row, and that's what they're supposed to be as professionals. They're supposed to be pissed off, come in uh, in the Sunday night primetime game and just beat them and, and and get a result in loss, which is which is what we need right now. So it'll show a lot about what Bosch does. I'm very curious to see what lineup he picks. Is it going to be the same 4-3-3 with the same 11? Then great. Good, good luck with that. So um, it's, it's a really, really big match. And, and Lance is a phenomenal team. For sure, I echo everything you said. Just the way they play, bombing fullbacks, pressure straight on you, plays like Seco Fafana, plays they've signed like Openda. Um, you know, replacing Callum Wendell is never going to be easy, but he's coming straight away and looks like a real... Uh, real league and quality striker causing lots of defences problems in a couple of big wins they've had against Monaco uh, the other hammering they gave to a team it might be Strasbourg, I can't remember but again they've they've convincingly beat good league on teams this season and deservedly above Leon in the table are you of the same opinion as Jonathan Tom that this is a must win match and it could be curtains for Leon's podium Hopes, Bosch's future in charge if we don't get three points away at Lens. I definitely agree with Jonathan in terms of it being a really tricky game. I mean, Seko Fafana him, by himself could really dominate the whole of, of our midfield. So, uh, and, and just there's so many quality elements around this team. Even losing Klaus uh, has doesn't seem to have hampered them that much. Frankowski is still a great player and obviously they've got now a great keeper as well. So, 
that end, it's a really tricky game. Um, in terms of consequences for the rest of the season, I mean, obviously, there was a time at least, you know, just before we sort of started the podcasts uh, two years ago, where Leon had a reputation of finishing the season well. And it seems that that's not so much the case anymore. So would that be detrimental and a game over for the top three? I don't know. I mean, I, I have the hope that one day we become a bit like Monaco and just go on a massive streak at the end of the season and just surpass everyone and, and get what we need. Um, but it would definitely be detrimental to, to Bosch. I mean, Bosch could definitely be out, but it's really a question of how the, 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 the club sees it. I think in a time when, I mean, by then, I think we'll know whether Texter is coming in or not. Uh, obviously because it's two days later the club could be really in a complicated situation you know if the investment doesn't come in and we have to get in a new manager as well I mean that could be really complicated so I don't know if we'll ask sort of tries and go let's try and stick with stability and hope for the best and maybe wait it out until the World Cup who knows but um, yeah it, it could definitely put even more pressure, especially if the content of the game is really bad. I mean, on on paper, we're supposed technically to have a better squad, but I don't think that's actually the case anymore. Um, so it's it's a must win. That's that's for sure. That's what all I say. There's so many ifs uh, and buts and maybes, as they say. For sure, there's a lot that could happen in the next what twelve days before that fixture takes place, but. Um, hopefully it's all positive. We come back to you in two weeks' time. Text has taken over and we've beaten Lawrence. But that's the question to you both now. I'll come to you first, Jonathan. Um, how do you think the game's going to go out and give us your um, match prediction? I don't know. Am I going to pull Liam and predict 38 straight wins? We'll see. But I think, I think I'm think i going to predict... A, I don't want to get dark, but... No, I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's a draw, and I think Olas is going to pull up with a great result. We did great, great win, great atmosphere. You know, so I'll, I'll go with a one-one draw, um, but a match where it's really a struggle. And Loss has played well recently against us, and it's always been a tough match. Although we had a few wins against them, but it, it's always been really difficult against them. So I'll, I'll go, and we're on the road. You can't forget that. That's if you if you just had this game alone, and you didn't have the three losses in a row before, you'd say you know a draw on the road to Lens, good result. But here, it needs to be a win. But I'm going to predict a draw. And I predict that it's going to be the beginning of the end of, of Bosch. And I think the, the club is already looking into it. Um, just because of the World Cup is such a weird place time. You know, and, and if Lyon was 6th or 7th at the time, um, he's really they're just not going to have a choice anymore. Uh, they can't have another season where they finish out of Europe. And if you look at the standings, they're already five points behind Lille or behind Lens. Um, they're seven points behind Marseille. So if they if they if they lose to Lens, it's it's really hard to come back. We're not we're not going to win five in a row. We're just we're just not. Yeah, that's this is sad. <laughs> prediction but yeah i'd agree with everything you've said to be honest there's not a lot there that you've said that's not wrong is pretty accurate um i think the world cup is the point where they've if you read everything if you believe everything you read the target is that he needs to be at a specific position 
or a specific number of points by the 15th match day, which is the World Cup. So um, if we're not at that stage, it looks like he will be axed. Um, I guess the same question to you, Tom. How do you see the match going? A bit more positive than Jonathan? Uh, no, God, no. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, is that you, Jonathan, that said on, on, on Twitter that we have to accept that OL is a fifth or sixth ranked team? Yeah, I've been saying that over and over again, that really our rivals now are Lens, Lille, and Rennes. Those are our rivals. Yeah. Marseille and Monaco have made more investments. They're in the top three rank put it in a race, and we're in the second race, the race for Europa League Conference League. That's really our race. I mean, they have the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Mitchell at the realms at Monaco. So, I mean, it can't really go wrong there. And who knows? I mean, even playing Europe as a conference league, I mean, everyone knows on Twitter how, how much I love that competition. I think we could go quite far there. So, if we can get Europe at the conference league, I think that'd be definitely at our level, which again, says a lot about what we have expected of the club. So, no, I'm not being very positive, and I think it'll be a, uh, a two-all draw uh, that somehow we get Shirky to cross another ball into Dembele, uh, a late equaliser. But there's, it'll be like a stolen result. It'll be some sort of referee's decision, and we won't be very good, and we'll somehow suffer the whole game. So... If we lose, I wouldn't be shocked. It's not the you know the high intensity teams. I was going to go on rant about how high intensity teams really uh, like make OL struggle, but it seems like every team makes OL struggle these days. So I can't even <laughs> I can't even make that argument anymore. So um, whether it's low block, high block, high pressure, everything is difficult for OL these days. So whatever point you can get, boys, just just try your best. Yeah, I mean, anything but a defeat is better than nothing in the start. I think, again, we've looked at the last three teams we've played in Lorient, uh, Monaco and Paris there. They make up three of the top five at this moment in time. Lourdes are also in that top five, so this game can't be treated any differently to the past three. Um, obviously, PSG is an exception above that, but I think if we don't win... It's, you know, things are going to get really, really depressing. Um, so I'm going to go with a win again. Um, I'm going to go 2-1. Um, slight, wouldn't be shocked if we lost 2-1 or lost 4-0. Um, that's my heart over my head. I also think it'll be a draw or a defeat. Uh, but my uh, my heart won't let me um, say anything else. Um, has anyone got anything else to add before the end of the show? I think people should really try and guess the goals in that intro. <laughs> For any of those listeners, that because there are listeners, I'm sure there are. Um, you know, it's not that hard to just go scroll back to the start of the show and, and try and guess four goals. Come on, guys. I mean, it's not the hardest thing. I will definitely put it on Twitter at some point. I'll find a way. And uh, we can get everyone to guess it. And um, as Liam said at the start of the show, we can give you kudos. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try find something worth your while, but yeah, be sure to um, be sure to let us know if you know all the goals, and if anyone miraculously gets all four right, we'll try and arrange something. So that would Whether it's terrible. like link, LinkedIn kudos or a shout out, probably possibly something a little bit more. But yeah, please do get involved. We want our uh, regularness to interact with us. Um, but I think that's everything. Obviously, there's an international break, so there probably won't be an episode next week unless we come up with some fancy special idea but 
for for the time being there's nothing planned so uh, we'll see you in the next couple of weeks hopefully off the back of a John Texter takeover and an OL win against Lawns. As usual, thanks for listening. Like, share, do all the good stuff with the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye.